Welcome to the Erickson Covenant Podcast. We are so glad that you've joined us today. We confess that we don't have all the answers, but as a community, we seek to find and follow Jesus and to discover daily the life he has always wanted for us. We hope this message will be encouraging and will inspire you to take the next steps on your spiritual journey. If we can help you in any way, please connect with us. The easiest way is through our website at ericksoncovenant.ca. Let's get started. Well, hey friends, it's good to bring you the teaching today. I want to thank Peter and Canny for sharing with us over the last couple weeks. I've really appreciated what they said. Today, we continue on in our series, Behind Closed Doors, with the teaching of Jesus. John D. Rockefeller was America's first billionaire and considered one of the richest men in modern history. He rose up from poverty and made untold wealth through oil, spawning a series of companies which netted never-seen-before profits. His personal wealth in 1913 was equal to 3% of the GDP of the United States. Now, when John D. Rockefeller died, someone asked his accountant how much money Rockefeller ended up leaving behind. Do you have a guess how much money he left behind? Anyone? I encourage you to say it to whoever you're with or shout it out loud to the ether. How much money did John D. Rockefeller leave behind? Well, the answer the accountant gave was classic. How much money did he leave behind? Well, he left all of it. In the words of the psalmist, do not be overawed when others grow rich, when the splendor of their houses increases, for they will take nothing with them when they die. Their splendor will not descend with them. Today, Jesus leads us behind closed doors to examine what we treasure most. For the last three weeks, Jesus examined our hidden motivations for three core faith practices, giving, prayer, and fasting. And each week, Jesus drove home a simple yet powerful point. Don't do these things to be honored by others. Do them to be honored by God. Now, as I meditated on this whole section of teaching, I noticed something subtle, but I think significant. Jesus is preparing us to go even deeper. You know, so far, he's been directing us to move away from actions that are done for the attention of others so that we give and pray and fast, which he expects his followers to do, We do it for the audience of one, our Heavenly Father. And what we begin to see is that in some crucial way, these regular private practices, when they become part of our life in Christ, when they're done only for the Father's recognition and reward, they mature us as people from the inside out. Through these hidden practices, the Holy Spirit shifts our hearts. He reorients us. He strengthens us in our internal resolve. He grows our capacity to act for God's glory rather than our own. 
which is exactly what's needed for what Jesus, where Jesus is going to take us next. Because now, Jesus is going to talk explicitly about our money. He's going to help us examine what we treasure so that we don't mess up with money. So that we invest in what truly matters to his, fathers, to his father and what will truly last forever. And these first three practices of giving, of praying, and of fasting for God's honor only, they grow us. They grow our strength. They mature us so that we can respond to Jesus' challenge now about treasure. But as we prepare to receive Jesus' teaching today, I want to take you on a little trip. It's actually near our house, just a few steps from our gate, right off the end of Vance Road. Come with me. I'm standing here in the trees just off the end of Vance Road, not far from our farm. It's at the uh, trailhead of the Sullivan Creek Trail. If you've never tried it, I encourage you to do it. But I want you to imagine with me for a moment a family. Uh, here in Canyon, a family that had saved and saved for a new truck. They were so excited because the day finally came when they could afford the truck. And so mom and dad went down to the dealer and they put down their hard-earned cash and they bought the truck and they came home. And when they came home, the kids were so excited because they rushed out to mom and dad. They piled in the truck and they started their celebratory drive through Canyon into Lister making nice and easy loops, you know, waving kind of casually to the neighbors. They just are feeling really good, feeling really proud, feeling really excited about their brand new truck. And they wanted everyone to, you know, kind of notice and celebrate with them. It was an exciting time. Now, listen, this family, they had scrimped and they had saved for that truck. They had put a lot of heart into it. And it turned out that that truck served them for years to come. Until one day, it didn't. Now, I'm sure it went on to serve some other people and was used for probably more years to come. But eventually, that new, shiny, chromed, beautiful, amazing treasure, this pride-filling, envy-inducing truck that they drove around so the neighbors can see, eventually it came to rest here at the end of Vance Road. And here it sits. And actually, it sat here for many, many years. One of the neighborhood kids who was raised just over there sent me a message on Facebook. He said that when they moved into the house just after the moon landing in 1969, their mom sent them out to explore. And this was one of the first things they explored. It's been sitting here for a long time. Every time I walk past this truck, or virtually every time I I kind of think about it. I think about how there was a time when the four wheels that used to be under this cab were someone's pride and joy, someone's worthy investment, someone's treasure. I think about that a lot. And so standing beside this treasure, I want us to hear the teaching of Jesus today from Matthew 6, 19 to 24, and it goes like this. 
Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. And if the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. When it comes to our money, Jesus is not shy. In fact, Randy Alcorn says that 15% of everything Christ said relates to money and possessions, more than his teachings on heaven and hell combined. Alcorn goes on to say, why did Jesus put so much emphasis on money and possessions? Because there's a fundamental connection between our spiritual lives and how we think about and handle money. We may try to divorce our faith and our finances, but God sees them as inseparable. As I prepared for this message today, I pulled out Randy Alcorn's little book, The Treasure Principle. It's very small. I read it again. This book has helped me in the past, and I found it just as illuminating another time through. And as I continue today, I want to acknowledge how much uh, Randy's thinking and his example of giving has influenced my message today and is challenging me personally in response to Jesus' teaching here in Matthew 6. I wish I could get all of you to read this little book, to be really honest. I, I, I try to think of different ways I could get you all to read it. Because I know you would all benefit, without exception. Every single one of us would benefit from reading this short little book. So I want to try something a little different today. I'd like to actually give one of you this little book. And so to figure out a way of doing that, I bought a special copy. And I wonder if one of you would like to read this book. So here's what we'll do. As we're receiving the teaching of Jesus today... I want to encourage you to make a note in the chat, uh, something that struck you, something that you're learning, um, just a thought that you're having, a comment, and we'll randomly select our winner of this book from those of you willing to enter some kind of thought into the chat. Um, online hosts, I'd ask you just to help me in this way. Uh, take note of who the, makes these comments, jot them down, and then we'll randomly select the winner of The Treasure Principle by Randy Alcorn. And those of you who don't get the free book, can I encourage you to get one anyway? Okay, so back to Jesus. Jesus isn't shy about our money. In fact, he's astonishingly, painfully clear. Where we put our money determines what we care about. Where we invest our treasure dictates the direction of our hearts. How we spend is a primary indicator of what's actually driving us. 
Our hearts follow our money. This is what Jesus is saying. In other words, to get us to examine our hearts, Jesus actually leads us through our bank accounts. And Jesus doesn't allow us any wiggle room. We want Jesus to say that there is a way that we could serve both God and money. You know, as long as we kept somehow things in right order of priority, as long as we gave something, as long as we didn't get too obsessive, as long as we aren't too stingy and unkind, you know, then, hey, no harm, no foul. But Jesus presents this all-or-nothing scenario that it's either this or it's that, and he won't let us off the hook. Which God will you worship, Jesus asks. The God of the universe or the God of affluence? Which deity will drive you? The living God or dead cash? Who will you lay your life down for? A comfortable lifestyle that you can afford today or maybe not even afford? You maybe use credit for? Or the blessing of God our Father for an eternity that's coming. Jesus is relentless here. He issues an incredibly stark choice, and he wants us to feel it right here where we live, right in our wallet. Consistently, over and over again, Jesus, in the tradition of the Hebrew prophets that came before him and then continued by the apostles after, they remind us that how we think about money And and how we spend it has a significant place in our spiritual lives today and in our eternal reward that's coming. And apparently, we need to keep issuing this challenge to each other. Paul told his protege, Timothy, a younger pastor, to command the rich in some very particular ways. Ways that make me feel a little uncomfortable, actually. This is what Paul said in 1 Timothy 6. He said, command those who are rich in this present world, not to be arrogant, not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. That's some brave pastoral work there. In this way, Paul goes on, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Over and over again, we are warned of the allure of money, the way it will distract us from what truly matters and what truly lasts, the gravitational pull that money makes on our souls, wooing us to place our hope in our money, what our money can do for us now at the exclusion of eternity. And we're told again and again that the only antidote to that kind of distraction, that kind of destruction, is to generously give our money to the things that God cares the most about. Throughout the scriptures, we're reminded that this kind of money investment, giving to help the poor, 
caring for the prisoner, advocating for the disenfranchised, drilling wells for water and providing needed surgeries and bringing healing and hope to people in despair, supporting the church and in our mission to help people find and follow Jesus. This kind of kingdom investment, we are told, has an eternal payoff, a reward that outstrips any kind of investment we could make here. In fact, it's kind of like Jesus is our ultimate financial planner. You know, the good financial planners that I'm sure we've all met with. I appreciate the work that they do. I'm not disparaging it. But they get you to sit down and they get you to look at the magic of compounding. Especially if they're meeting with a young investor, trying to help them see that if you'll invest early and consistently through the magic of compounding, by the time you get to retirement, you'll be set. But Jesus... Instead of getting us to explore the magic of compounding interest so that we invest big for our retirement that's only a few years away and is only going to last for a few more, he gets us to get really clear on the much greater, much more magical kingdom compound interest so that we'll invest huge into a much longer eternity with an exponentially better payoff where we really will rest and enjoy the blessings of God reward quite literally forever. Now, that's retirement. Yes, we should be responsible for our family. We should be wise in planning. The scripture also speaks about that. Don't hear me wrong. But Jesus wants us to get something clear. What matters the most is not the few years that we have left before we die, but the eternity of years we have coming after that. And Jesus is saying, make sure you're investing in that, because you cannot lose if you are. We're told again and again, you can't take it with you. Everything we invest here stays here. But everything we invest in your eternity will be waiting for us when we arrive. And this is the core truth that Jesus reiterates all over his teaching about money. And it's a truth that Randy Alcorn dubbed the treasure principle. That's why he named his book The Treasure Principle. What is the treasure principle? Here it is. You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. Jesus calls us to stop, to evaluate, and see clearly what true investment looks like. And it's not in the stuff that rusts and fades, but in the kingdom that lasts. How can we hear this? I mean, in a way that we can respond, in a way that we can take action. Now, I'll be really honest, preparing for this message pushed me to go back and reevaluate our giving. So Tanil and I can sit down and figure out how we can start giving more, more than we do now. And we've been consistently giving for years, give to the church, we give to some other organizations. We believe in that. But examining this and letting Jesus probe me, challenge me to go back and figure out how can we push more money into the kingdom, into this kingdom investment And there's no getting around that this is what Jesus is challenging us to do. How can we take proper stock of what matters and make sure that we're sending as much as possible on ahead? The reality is, 
my kids do not need me to save up a bunch of money for them. They don't need it. How can I make sure that I'm being responsible to care for those around me? That's godly and right. But I'm also seeking to invest as much as possible into the kingdom of God. And how will this in turn affect my heart today so that I really care about the things that God cares about? You know, as I wrestle through this, friends, I realize I don't want to stay awake at night based on the fluctuating state of the stock market. Blah. If I'm going to stay awake at night worrying about something, it's going to be the fluctuating state of the hearts of lost men and women. It's going to be over the spiritual growth of God's children. It's going to be how do we meet the tangible care, tangible needs of people around us who need, our, need us care, caring for them. How? Can the flourishing of people and the places that God calls us to be concerned about, how can we go there and support and serve and be the hands and feet of Jesus? That's, friends, what we need to be staying awake at night about. And somehow, when we invest our money there, that's where our hearts will be too. That's what Jesus said. John Wesley, he once said, I judge all things only by the price that they shall gain in eternity. And I want to be more like that, friends. And this teaching of Jesus really challenged me. So how can we respond to Jesus' teaching about treasure today? Well, one thing is for sure. This cannot stay theoretical for us. This can't be an idea. Our response to Jesus must translate into actual giving, actual spending, actual kingdom investment, or we really haven't heard Jesus' teaching at all. And so my question is, what action will you take? As surely as the compass needle follows north, your heart will follow your treasure. Money leads, hearts follow. That's from Randy Alcorn again. Those of you who have made significant kingdom investments, and I know many of you have, you know this is true. If you want to grow your heart for the things of God, find a way to start sending more money in that direction. You'll start caring even more. Now, how you respond today to the teaching of Jesus, how I respond, how we respond, it really depends on where we're at, doesn't it? It'll depend on uh, whether you've already made generosity a lifestyle, whether you've been struggling to switch allegiance between the God of money and the God of life. It'll depend on decisions you've made that have saddled you with debt. It'll depend on whether you live on a fixed income or maybe you're just starting out or maybe you're making really good money or maybe you're not. Maybe you're on a double income, maybe not. Single income, single parent disability. I don't know what your scenario is, but whatever your circumstance, Jesus' call to invest in the kingdom of God is a command that encompasses all followers of Jesus without exception. And so we all are faced with the question, how do we take action on this? And to help you with that, I just want to suggest a few places that you might start, or maybe this will just help you start thinking about what it takes to make this actionable for you. The first would be that you sit down and evaluate. If you have someone in your life with whom you are in financial partnership, a spouse or maybe a brother or whatever, I suggest you pull them into the conversation. But ask the the obvious question that Jesus wanted to ask. Where can I give more to the things that God cares about? How can I do this? Now, you might have to then have a conversation about, well, what is it that Jesus cares about? Do a scripture study. 
Look through what the Bible says. Look through the example of Jesus. Look through the teaching and the life. You figure out quickly that Jesus cares about the poor, the foreigner, the widow, the orphan. He cares about the hungry, the prisoner, the abused, the lost, the least, the lonely. He cares about the church. He cares about people far away from him discovering the love of God and bringing them into his family. These are the things he cares about. He wants us to care about them too. And the way to do that is to make a financial investment in exactly that. So ask the question, how can I give more money into the things that God cares about? Some of you might want to readjust your retirement plan so that the balance gets shifted more and more toward an eternal reward. I actually do suggest that you give more of your kids' inheritance away than you intended to. You can let your kids know. It would challenge them to have more faith now rather than depending on a payload from mom and dad when you're gone. Truly, readjust it for the sake of what Jesus is saying. Now, many of you have already made significant kingdom investments. already alluded to that. You've done that for years. I actually want you to hear this teaching of Jesus today in an encouraging way actually affirming you in the choices that you've made to live and give generously, some of you for decades. And I know, actually, some of you, having made that choice, you actually don't have much money today. You haven't taken fancy vacations. You don't have a lot of assets. You've learned to go without when others around you seem to be, well, having a really great time. But here's the thing. That's not because you didn't make lots of money or that you couldn't have made a lot more money doing something else. It's because you made a kingdom choice many years ago, some of you, to invest heavily into God's kingdom first, to send on ahead all of this reward and as a result, live frugally and simply today in anticipation of that reward that's coming. And friends, I just want to remind you, You've got a treasure waiting for you. Jesus wants to affirm you in that decision, especially in those moments when you might be discouraged, when you might wonder, did it make any difference at all? When you might even struggle with a bit of envy when you see others having a wonderful time with all the cash they've piled up. Remember what Jesus promised you. He'll repay you in ways that you cannot imagine. His compound interest is going to stun you when it pays out. Keep trusting him. He's good for it. There's others of us, as we grapple with the teaching of Jesus, we realize that we've got to deal with our debt, that we've made choices. The scripture tells us the borrower is the servant of the lender, and a lot of us are enslaved to debt. And if we're living in debt, then we've got to get, a, we've got to get a free. We've got to get out from under that slavery. We've got to make choices. This is especially true of consumer debt or car payments, or credit card debt, those kinds of things. They are debilitating. And friends, this teaching of Jesus challenges us to get rigorous about dealing with our debt. Why? So that we can give more to the kingdom, not servicing debt. We can give more to things that God cares about. Not this money that just goes out nowhere because we've made choices that weren't about the kingdom. So there's some challenge there. Jesus wants us fully activated for the kingdom mission, and dealing with that will be part of that. Now, all of us, that challenge of Jesus is to make generous living a part of our lifestyle, the way we follow Jesus. Jesus wants our lives as his followers to be marked by a kingdom treasure, 
by hearts that are shaped by the things that his father matter, that matter to his father. His father is concerned about, and he wants his children being concerned for the same things. Many of us need help remembering this. And so um, we did a little thing here. Um, Randy Alcorn suggested um, a wallet card that would help us remember um, whose money it is that we're spending. And, and so I asked Valerie, she did a great job of making up these little business cards, which are for us to remember. And they're for anyone who would like one. And if you would like one, just email connect at ericksoncovenant.ca and we'll send you one. What it has on one side, it's designed wallet size. You stick it in your card with your debit card. And so when you go and pay for something, you look and it says, oh, God owns it all. I'm his money manager. And then there's some scriptures there to remind us of the truth of that. On the back side, it says, God cares what I do with the money he entrusts to me. I better ask him. And again, some more scriptures to remind us. What's this all about? It's to help us remember that we have an obligation. We have actually been commanded by Jesus to put our treasure in the things of God, to be deliberate about how we spend as his money manager. We just want to offer that to you as a, a little way of remembering that this is true. So email connect at ericksongovern.ca. We'll send that out to you. All in all, the challenge is clear to take this teaching of Jesus today and let it examine our hearts. Now, Jesus challenges us about this because he knows that our hearts will follow our money 100% of the time. Famously, Jesus was very poor. Do you think that was a coincidence? Or was it a choice? Do you think that Jesus couldn't have been more wealthy than he was? that he might have been able to live more comfortably, you know, that he couldn't have owned a, a, a Galilee-side villa and still fulfilled the mission that the Father gave to him? It's an interesting question. What we see in Jesus is this. His heart was so fully invested in the mission of his Father that he was willing to place his entire treasure in the Father's kingdom, seeking only his reward. Friends, his poverty was a choice. A choice that he made for us. Jesus was poor so that we could be rich. Remember what Paul told the Corinthian Christians? He said, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Because of Jesus, we are rich. We're rich in blessing, we're rich in forgiveness, we're rich in the Spirit, rich with grace, rich with freedom, rich with life, and sometimes, yes, rich financially, which Jesus calls us to then spend the same way he does, to give it away, to make a kingdom investment for the sake of others, to emulate his financial practices for the sake of his Father's reward. After challenging that wealthy young man, to make a temporarily painful financial decision for the sake of an eternal kingdom investment, Jesus went on to assure his followers that God can be trusted to multiply whatever we give up. Jesus said, mark my words, no one who sacrifices house, brothers, sisters, mother, father, children, land, whatever, because of me and the message will lose out. 
they'll get it all back. But multiplied many times in homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and land, but also in troubles. And then the bonus of eternal life. This is once again the great reversal. Many who are first will end up last, and the last first. How is Jesus challenging your heart today? He's challenging mine, just to be very candid. I've got to take action on this teaching of Jesus. As we close today, I just want to remind you, if you haven't made a comment yet, to make it in the chat. We'd like to send you this book, or at least one of you. I'd like to encourage you all to read it. Please do that. And again, email, connect, connect at ericsoncovenant.ca for one of the wallet cord, cards. I want to close today with a, a powerful song, a response song. And I, I invite you to sing this song with us as a prayer. That Jesus, you would truly come set your rule and reign in our hearts again. We want to tell you, Jesus, that we seek your kingdom first. We hunger and we thirst. We refuse to waste our lives for your, our joy and prize. We lay down our lives for heaven's cause. Lord Jesus, let that be true in us. Thanks for listening in today. We hope you feel encouraged and challenged. If you know someone who would benefit from what you have heard today, please share this podcast. For more information, or if you have questions, you can connect with us through our website, ericksoncovenant.ca. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Erickson Covenant Church.